1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to part two of the Stompcast. Grace and I are wandering through Regent's Park. We're blessed actually with a very... It's a beautiful day, isn't it's it? It's so nice. It's such a nice day and... I'm really honoured that you're, you're walking with me and, you know, given everything you've said yeah. and how much has happened, I am so yes. glad that we're walking. So, so am So I. glad that we're here walking together today. And, you know, I, I feel so lucky because when, I, when we do the StompCast, I started thinking that I would in, walk with people and hopefully inspire others on their journey of health and life. Yes. But I have taken so much from, from doing this podcast. I cannot yeah. explain. And you've already certainly... Um, affected me in my life in a positive way. So I'm very grateful for that. So thank you. I'm practising so much you. gratitude these days. And I think when you feel grateful, you must say it. It's a yes. very important thing. Speak to the world and say that you're grateful. 100%. So thank you for joining. I, and, and for everyone listening, um, I mean, profound already. I think in part two, I'd really like to delve, we're going to start a little bit about if you do remember anything for the time Heart Stopped what those initial moments of waking were like. And then really thinking about how these kind of things, traumas that happen in our lives, mm. how, what can we learn about life and how can we take that experience forward and find meaning or find positivity, even out of something that's very difficult. So that's kind of what we'll have a little wonder about, a wonder about. So, yes, you know, at that moment, yeah. do you, you said you had a lot of dreams and things. Mm. Were you aware of what's going on? A lot of people say that when you're in a coma, do you know what's going on around you? <sighs>
1: I didn't know what was happening to me at that exact time in my coma, like grace in this world, Mm. but I was in a different dimension. I was flying and I I was going through a lot in my coma dreams and Mm. I'm still trying to make sense of it, but one part of my coma dream, I was flying through like clouds in the Mm. sky and... I could hear, like, nursery rhyme, Mm. like, flute music. Mm. Um, And although I'm, like, I'm in the coma, I'm unconscious, Mm. I kind of knew that I was in a dream, that I was in a dimension, I was flying, but I knew that 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 grace, that was real. Mm. So... I remember flying and I also remember seeing a massive, massive green figure in the sky, Mm. like electric green, and thinking, hmm, is that God? Because the, the person, the being, this massive being, soul, said to me, you can't die, I'm gonna give you my green light. So, although I don't remember the cardiac arrest in this dimension, I think seeing that green figure and flying in the sky to kind mm. of like really beautiful spiritual music was me about to cross over, mm. and then me deciding actually I'm staying. I'm gonna stay. I've got I've got a, a I got work to
0: do. Yeah, <laughs> I got a mission. Yeah. Wow. Goodness me. I mean, yeah. It just like it, it blows your mind, doesn't it, to really think of it in that way and I, I, it's interesting that you're saying that almost it sounds if I'm writing interpreting this you kind of it's an awareness that you were there mm. but like it, there's some dreams you're like you forget whether you're in the dream and you, you think it's real like not yeah. real but like you're not aware that there's another dimension almost yeah. there's an external or awake version yes. but it sounds like you were almost kind of half a foot in one of the other you're aware yes. you're like watching yourself almost and aware
1: yes I that's
0: really interesting
1: I knew I was dreaming I knew this wasn't actually my life, but it always felt like this could have been my Mm. life. This Mm. could be my life in Mm. a different world, in a different Mm. dimension. Um, And when I first woke up, I was screaming at the nurses, I'm in Reading, I'm in Reading, I need to go home Mm. to London. And they were like, You're in London. I said, no, I'm not. Mm. Because in my coma dream, mm. I, my coma dream started of me being found dead in a river in Reading.
2: Gosh.
1: So I just assumed I was in Reading. Um, but I wasn't. I was in North West London. And, Which hospital were you in? Uh, Northwick Park. Northwick Park, yeah. And it was wild, coming off sedation and all the drugs mm. and kind of coming back into, like, the hospital bed where I was but still hallucinating, Mm. still seeing things from my coma dream Mm. that was actually not there. Mm. But now it's been almost three years, Mm. I truly believe that what I saw in that dimension was real. Mm. I remembered it as real Mm. in my body, in Mm. my brain. And that's hard to process. Mm. And I'm still processing that.
0: Mm. It's interesting because I think you, one could also argue, or something you could say, is like it is real because it's your also, it is what, literally what you experience. Isn't yeah. It? How do we decide what re- is real and what isn't, right? Very That's true. That's what's very interesting about it. It's like, and, and there's so many stories of people being in cardiac arrest or um, in comas and, and describing very, very almost like clear pictures or dreams or whatever you want to call it of their experience in that time. Mm-hmm. And it often, it often ties to something really meaningful or profound in that time. It's almost like a thing of like people have stood there almost at the gates and said, "No, I'm I'm, I'm not done yeah. here." Yeah. And I, I just I find that really fascinating because so many people have experienced that that there must be something in it. It has. It's to either, be. I, even if it's to a level, even if one if someone was like, "I'm not," uh, you know, I, "I'm not religious or whatever," there is something there that the brain has decided. No, I'm I, I, you have you have decided I'm not giving up here.
1: Yeah. I think it's very naive to think that we're the only thing
0: mm.
1: in this universe. Mm. You know, mm. we're all connected. If you look at a piece of nature, it looks like a body part mm. or a stretch mark or a freckle. Mm. And I really believe that prayers worked mm. for me. As well as drugs. Did people pray
0: <laughs> did people pray for you? Yeah, I woke up. I mean, and... that's a silly question to ask. <laughs> I mean, like, did people like, you know, were yeah, people I, I religiously and... praying
1: for you? Every nurse, every doctor, and there were different cultures. I had African nurses, I had Caribbean nurses, Filipino doctors. Mm, mm. It was like all these different gods, mm. and everyone was praying to them. Um, and I just guess it brought me back, as well as drugs and, mm. you know, It does make machines. you think
0: that, you know, I guess, like, some of the things within that, you know, that human strength and human element, yeah. that spiritual element... yeah. And also, I guess, I mean, human, I mean, as you as the first person, but also like it does make you think, you know, amongst all the noise about the NHS and, you know, the, isn't it incredible that people came together, you know, just, just to save your life? I mean, yeah. you're part of that journey of, of literally as uh, throughout, you know, deciding, I'm saying, and yeah. secondly, to build yourself better. But like, it's a great example of humanity is what I mean, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, the people, you know, because sometimes you look out and you hear all the stuff in the news, you hear bad stuff, and there really is bad stuff out there. Yeah. But it is important not to lose sight of incredible humanity when it happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Isn't it? And I remember the exceptional nurses. So there there's one nurse called Dana mm. who was from the Philippines.
0: Shout out to Dana. Shout out to
1: Dana because she was just mm. unreal. And she did three night shifts in a row. Mm. So when she was on with me, I mean, she'd be there for three days, and oh my God, it was the best. And she. Would give me like a foot massage Mm. and Mm. would hold my hand (laughs) when I was having a panic attack Mm. and I remember her because she was just exceptional above and beyond was always happy Mm. even though her dad had a trachostomy too and was paralysed back in the Philippines we bonded over this profound trauma
2: Mm.
1: and I I feel like I just love her At that time in my life when I needed someone in the ICU I couldn't see the sky, I couldn't see plants, all I saw was tubes and all I heard was beeping and you know the cardiac arrest button going off next door. She was there and I just think she's
0: incredible. Mm. There's incredible people. And I guess I kind of, um thinking from the time in, in that I was working, and naturally, like, when we talk about COVID, it brings up, I guess, my experience, n- memories and things of that time. And, you know, I, I just think, I do really remember how important it was in the hospital to have those amazing people. And it's, it's the it's the people that make the hospitals tick at mm-hmm. the end of the day. And it it's the people that makes, means that we save yeah. these lives. And, you know, I was so lucky to have people around me who were working. You could rely, you kind of like going into war almost and you're shoulder to shoulder oh and you're God. trying to provide yes. and it's important to remember as well is that people that were working in the COVID areas you're putting your life at risk I mean you know one of my colleagues we, we literally intubated one of my colleagues who spent many months um in in, in an induced coma and thankfully survived and has now come back to work it was an amazing day when she came back but yeah you know it's like it's real people and real stories mm-hmm. isn't it and like real stories of you know heroes I guess that, yeah. that have Come together and they to are, different. like,
1: the trauma that I saw
0: mm.
1: and the trauma that the nurses mm. had to see. And honestly, I just, there's no words to really articulate mm. that whole experience. Mm.
0: Yeah, and yeah, there literally isn't. So we perhaps I, I wouldn't even try to capture any more of that. I guess, so, so from, from what has happened, you're three, kind of come up to three years since that yeah. time... Um, and what, what, you know, you, you gave a, a really, I think, incredible, insightful view of like how it changes your perspective of the importance of life. How has it changed your life in terms of like day to day? To day do you feel life is different? How, how is there kind of negative effects that have continued or positive effects? Do you make different decisions day to day? Like, I'm just intrigued yeah. to hear like how that's changed like life.
1: I. Every day is different. Every month is different. But I'm really struggling at the moment just in terms of, like, being a mother, Mm. working, trying to fill up my own cup. But the the struggle to juggle everything is a lot. Mm. And I think I always try and put my children first and my health
2: mm.
1: you know sometimes I've got a work deadline so I need to put on Moana for the kids to watch whilst I <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> yeah. send off some content yeah, or yeah. reply to an email that's real life um and I won't feel guilty for that no. but I that's yeah well. I, I'm really trying to work on my body I'm feeling a lot of like somatic stuff mm. in my body now mm. um you know I'm seeing a chiropractor and an osteopath and I'm restarting therapy, and I have, you know, fortnightly massages to try and just bring my body down to, like, calm. Mm. The nervous system after this kind of trauma is just wild. So... And
0: does that relate to pro- post-traumatic stress disorder? Do you think that somatic... Yeah. Is that somatic element, that kind of physical expression of your experience? Yes, all energy that, yeah.
1: stored in the body because, mm. you know, you, you're working hard to recover Mm. by actually like being alive and breathing Mm. by yourself and then it's to walk
2: Mm. and then it's
1: to get home and learn to live again Mm. and then I know I got pregnant pretty soon after recovering so my body's been through a lot so on a day-to-day basis I feel a lot of stress in my Mm. body and I I try and do it all because as mothers That's kind of the expectations, and it shouldn't be. Mm. Um, And I'm really learning to put myself first Mm. still, Um, and I make decisions based Mm. on grace and compassion Mm. for myself and my children. Mm. But it is hard, and I would be lying if I came on here Mm. and said, you know, I'm so grateful every single day, and I'm happy to be alive. Some days Mm. I'm not. Some days I think, oh, it would be easier if I had died. Mm. And that is the honest to God truth.
0: Well, I appreciate your honesty and I think it's good. Yeah, you're right, I mean, perhaps a narrative that people express, oh, that's it, it you changed your life and now everything is great and all the problems that you had are no longer important or so that's yeah. not the reality. No. I mean, do you get frustrated by the same things that you used to as well? I mean, mm. do, do those same problems cause the same stress? Or are they different, are there different <sighs> problems that now become more of an issue than they were before? Or, or?
1: So obviously, every human has their patterns. Mm. So my patterns were still there when I woke up from my coma mm. because I'm 33 mm. and in my coma I was 31. So mm. it's like 30 years of mm. those patterns can't mm. just be undone. But I think I respond differently.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm more aware. Mm. I'm more... I can. It's easier to say this doesn't matter. Mm. And in the moment, of course, I don't know, the washing machine breaking is going to stress Mm. me out Mm. but actually it doesn't matter Mm. and that's the difference i'm able Mm. to kind of take a step back a bit better Mm. um and yeah my perspectives on life have have altered Mm. but it can be easy some days to slip back into old habits and old Mm. patterns Um,
0: Interesting that you describe, you know, although of course your experience is was very extreme with what happened, you you describe actually a lot of pressures that a lot of people relate to, with things like juggling work and parenthood. And it's really interesting. There seems to be like I've heard it spoken about online, and I've got um, my very very close friends who I'm um, godfather to Cara. She's over one years old now. She's an she's an absolute angel, um, you know. And I and I hear this word of like mum guilt quite a lot, mm. and I kind of I almost kind of I don't know if I quite. Here, that you, there's, there's almost a little bit of mum guilt that you were yes. excusing for. you were saying, "Well, I, I put this on Moana, isn't it? It's called, or I think it's the char- show. <laughs> yeah. Or what's that? There's another one. Is it the carrots that dance? Because that's one that's. Oh, yeah, dancing fruit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the dancing fruit, the <laughs> carrots. And and then, like Emma can sometimes be like, oh, you know, but she doesn't get to do that. You know, it's only because It's almost like an excusing of something yeah. that actually it's like, it's fine. Literally, you're 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 trying to do so much, like yeah. But that excusing, I feel, is not external. It almost sometimes feels you're trying to. Mm-hmm allow yourself permission when actually you're like no no listen you're doing a grand job because you know?
1: i think we're this um this generation who's very aware that we don't want to fuck up our kids
0: yeah that's actually a really good point we're yeah. we're, we're so conscious yeah of what affects and you know screen time can do this this yeah. can do that that it, perhaps it can almost make like a hyper state where yes. you're so worried about it that you're actually well you're wrecking you affect yeah. your own mental health really. And that's a
1: trauma response, isn't it, being hypervigilant mm. and that is literally me. Mm. Um, and perfectionism, again, a trauma response, that is literally me. So I'm trying so hard to just let it go. Mm. Take some some space and my toddler is just oh, he's incredible. And I've taught him how to breathe when he's angry mm. or he feels rage. Mm. And the other day we are on a walk and I've just been so anxious mm. and erratic recently and I'm really aware mm. of it. So I took both the kids on a walk and I'm like getting stressed and I can't get the pram up the kerb. He's lost his hat.
2: Mm.
1: And he said, Mama, just stop. And I said, wow, like my almost That's three year so old good, yeah. is coming amazing. for me. <laughs> I That's said, OK, mummy, stop, mummy, stop. He said, Breathe. Yeah, gosh. And I was, but I have I taught mean, him that.
0: That's so good. I have taught that's him amazing, that it's yeah.
1: safe to tell your mum yeah, to stop.
0: stop. and breathe, yeah. And that is, Take a
1: that, that made me feel like, wow, you're doing the damn thing, Grace, because me as a child could never do that. So that was a little moment for me where I was like, okay, I'm doing a good job.
0: Perhaps there's also, I guess there's something in there as well about the fact that we don't have to always, although we are, say, a, a, say you're a mother, a parent, or you're an older brother, you don't actually have to be the carer all of the time. Sometimes mm. that, even though you're in that position, you are the mum. Like, like, we're there as a family unit, and that family unit can actually look after each other. And sometimes in one situation, you are that figure that's standing yeah. over the mother figure, Paternal, maternal figure, and then situation. It might be the child going, do you know what? Take yeah. a breath for a moment. You're stressed. Let's have yeah. a sit down. Let's all do a little bit of breathing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Perhaps that's a re- that's a really nice way of looking at. It. And I like I, I'm quite passionate. I talk about like in the family kind of conversations of things like mental health that we shouldn't just see it as like a one directional thing. Like parents look after the children and the older ones are kind Actually, are we not looking after each other? Can yeah. we not talk more laterally? You know, across. You know, if we're going to sit and talk about mental health, like it's a two-way conversation. Mm -hmm. Parents can open up to children, children can open up, and that creates that two-way dialogue that actually makes everyone feel much safer within that space as well.
1: Exactly that. And I think teaching your children that you're human, yes, you're mummy, and they think that you are superhuman, but you're not. And I tell him, mummy's sad today. And he knows, like, he says things like... Mummy, period, cry. Because he knows when I... Well, my period, I'm crying. Um, and oh, he sounds adorable. Yeah, and I that's think so, it's...
0: That's so good. That's beautiful. That's amazing, isn't it, to have that open? And that's really... That has changed. We're, we're so I'm 32. I had to think of my age then for a second. I'm 32, <laughs> I'm 33 soon. And I think perhaps, you know, in our kind of generation of age, I, I think... Perhaps, I don't know your experience, but that was a different experience. When I was younger, that wasn't a thing that yeah. was conversed or yeah. talked about. That wouldn't be something. But that's a really, it's an example, I guess, of real progress we're actually making, mm. like in society, that we have, but that just conversations are just normalized to have. And it, yeah. it, it prevents so many problems developing later in life, especially when you come to big challenges. Like it's, if you can't talk about the easy little stuff when they're not, when it's not a big thing. Yeah. How are you going to have the big conversations exactly. that when it's hard and you're tired or something really bad has happened, it makes those so much more difficult, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It's like that practice, that learning.
1: Yeah, and learning to say sorry. Like, I say sorry to my kids every day. Mummy snapped or mummy mm. forgot your snacks or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And I think that is so special mm. to be able to say sorry mm. to your children mm. because, you know, I look at my kids... They're human beings. They're just small, you know. They're, they're, you, they 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 have you have to show them humanity. Mm. Um, and I yeah. So that yeah, the pressure to be a good mum is so so real. Mm. But I, I think actually I'm doing a good job, mm. and I have to kind of give myself a bit more credit.
0: I think actually, fun enough, that's that's a really important thing to do, isn't it? To be more kind of kind to ourselves, compassion. Mm. I feel like we started this talking about compassion and as we come to the end of part two, I feel like that's what we're talking about yeah. really, is compassionate to ourselves and uh, others uh, around us. So as, as we come to the end of part two and then part three, we often look at like broader life lessons and I'd be keen to delve into, you know, outside of this experience, what are the things like you enjoy? You know, you obviously things at like the world of beauty Your kind of your, your authorship your um, your content and things what yeah. things are you enjoying in that space where do you want to go in, mm. in the future what's next I guess but you know to finish I guess part two and especially because of the experience you've had what is the biggest thing you take away if it's even possible to pin that down on something I'm not going to prescribe anything positive or negative it might be either what's the biggest thing you take away from what has been like a, well, a life changing experience
2: ooh
1: Good question. What's my biggest takeaway? Hmm. That you only get one life. I mean, in my case, you get two. <laughs> but you do only. Get... I love
0: that you made a profound yeah, statement, yeah, and a yeah, of the yeah. same thing. But no, <laughs> so I think d- that the, yeah. the current that that statement stands. Yes. Yeah, you do only does. get of course it does.
1: one life, and do not waste it, chasing this high of the ring on the finger, the massive trip. I don't know to the Maldives mm, yeah. or you know, buying the house. There's so much beauty mm. in all the in-betweens of those moments. The beauty of the mundane. The magic in the mundane, babes, you know?
0: Some of the best moments of life that you look back on, I think, are often the silly little things that have happened at silly times. Yes. And sometimes the things that you didn't laugh about at the time, but you look back and think, do you know what, that actually was a great moment, that time that we were, I know, we were in the family car, and the car broke yeah. down, and then Dad was trying to do this. Yeah. Those are actually it's not actually the holiday, probably, is what no. you really remember, the place no. or how nice the bed sheets were, or whatever. It was the moments, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, the moments in between. And in the ICU, I couldn't move, mm. was paralysed, couldn't speak. I only had my brain and my mm. mind and I would visualize and I would manifest from my bed. Mm. And I never ever thought about the big moments. Mm. I imagined being at home, being able to walk through the door, sitting on the sofa with my family and watching TV. That was my mind. Mm. That was my manifestation. And that's what got me home.
0: I think that, I think that says rather a lot. Thank you so much. Um, that was an incredible part. Uh, we come to the end of part two now. We'll see you all in part three very soon.
2: Hold up.